Week seven of the NFL. It's first moose, Connor, Patrick, Manny. Here to recap it from the week. Closest game. Odd one. I mean, it was a bunch of blowouts, and then we hit up the closest game with the the Falcons Dolphins. So I think that explains how week seven was. A lot of a lot of gaps. I mean, I guess I guess we can just start. I had a, a positive vibes only for the the Cincinnati Bengals. Are we are we ready to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals being like a real playoff contender, or or do we need to wait longer? How, how confident are we on this team right now? Where where are we sitting with them? I think we could give them um, at least playoff team um, recognition. At least that. Um, they beat the the Ravens, not just beat, they destroyed the Ravens yesterday. Um, pretty surprising. I didn't think, especially in Baltimore, I didn't think it was going to be that big of a margin between the two. But, um, yeah, watching some of that game, um, just what impressed me the most probably was the Bengals' defense, just holding Lamar to 17 points, to him and that Ravens' offense that has been clicking over the past couple weeks. But, uh, yeah, they were able to shut them down really get to them a lot more than the previous teams have been able to get them to. And just their offense, we've seen the Bengals offense, we've seen what they're capable of, but they just took it to like a whole different level this week with uh, Jamar Chase having an amazing game, over 200 yards, eight receptions and like a touchdown, Joe Burrow over 400 yards. So I guess on all cylinders, all facets of the game, this Bengals team is playing really well and well and very well deserving of that first place in the AFC North because they are without a doubt the best team in that division and I think at this point we could give them at least playoff um, team contention maybe not so Super Bowl conference championship but at least playoffs for sure. I feel like we might have to put the Bengals in that kind of situation that into that equation of potentially the AFC championship. I know that's bold, but with the way they're playing right now, and I mean they just shut down one of their top competitors for that AFC championship in pretty convincing fashion. I feel like you kind of have to put the Bengals into, you know, potentially making the divisional round or potentially the conference championship for the AFC. I mean, they're just firing on all cylinders, which is something you really, we really have not said about the Bengals ever. I don't think I've ever said anything good about the Bengals. So it is, it's shocking to say the least. And you know what? It's still, I wouldn't say it's not, it's early, but like there's still so much time for them to mess it up somehow or something to go wrong or Burrow gets hurt, chart, Chase gets hurt, like whatever. There's plenty of, there's so many different scenarios that can easily tank this season right now. But for right now, I mean, they look like one of the best teams in the AFC. And even with the Chiefs not playing well, I mean, that just, that takes out even, that takes out more teams that could potentially compete for the AFC championship. So, I think Joe Burrow's operating at a high level. Jamar Chase, we saw, is having an incredible rookie season. And I think that Bengals defense, too, again, something we really don't say too often, has played pretty well so far this season. And against a decent offense with Lamar Jackson, Hollywood Brown, Latavius Murray, Davion Bell, a couple of good players, you know, they shut them down completely. And the Ravens, I think, should be embarrassed that they lost this game against a team that, you know, has – a decent defense and, you know, two high profile players, two, three, really, if you want to add in Joe Mixon, 
but three high po- profile players on offense. And that's pretty much it. So I think the Ravens have to be embarrassed of their play just because they were, they were a much more talented team, both on offense and defense, but they got blown out completely. So I think the Bengals, we have to put them in contention for potentially that AFC divisional, you know, that, that conference championship, maybe even a high seed in the AFC that's pushing it though. Looking at just the, the QBs in this division, I don't think I'm bold enough to say Joe Burrow's the, the best QB in the division right now. I think that would be kind of rude and disrespectful to Lamar Jackson and a little bit uh, and Baker Mayfield as well. And then Roethlisberger's just old. It's kind of we know he's probably the worst QB as of right now in that division. But going forward, do we think Joe Burrow is the best QB for, for years to come? Not maybe this year, but the next couple years in that division. Um, I, I don't know. That's tough. I think, I think it's just kind of what you prefer really. Cause you kind of have two different style quarterbacks with Joe and Lamar. Um, obviously Lamar is a lot more, I guess, dynamic with his legs and, um, just makes him a bigger threat, like j- just that running aspect that he has. But I, I, again, some people prefer having Joe Burrow who kind of sits more in the pocket and kind of just picks apart his um, opposing defenses and is very accurate with the ball and, can run has the has the ability to run but will most likely not use it as much as Lamar obviously so I think it just comes down to preference who you like I think for me at this moment maybe I would take Joe just because of the his recent success he has over the past few weeks and the way he's just been able to kind of carry that Bengals offense up to this point make him four and two because without him it doesn't really work it doesn't, all the pieces don't fit together and, um, yeah, I think he just compliments – or the weapons around him just complement his style of play. And with Lamar, I think he's just – it's just unfortunate for Lamar because um, he is that whole team. Like, without him, that team is probably maybe one and five instead of um, um, five and one or five and two now. Um, so, yeah, I think I would just go with Joe Burrow right now and probably going forward just because um, – of the way he kind of just kind of sits back and is more accurate with the ball, I guess, is what I'm trying to say overall, I think more than Lamar. I don't know if I necessarily want to say Joe Burrow is going to be the best quarterback going forward in the AFC North. Roethlisberger retires after this year. Baker Mayfield just, again, still has not looked up, has not lived up to his expectations as the number one pick. And he has struggled with that Browns team that, is kind of light on a, on offense with weapons minus that running mainly the wide receivers. I mean, you're probably going to lose Odell in a couple in like a year or two. Uh, you're probably going to lose Jarvis as well in a year year or two. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say they're going to retire, but Odell is getting older. He's getting injured. He's been injured pretty much the last three four seasons. Same with Jarvis. So I wouldn't be shocked if they decided to retire, but that also means you have to draft good players. So. I would say Baker Mayfield would probably be the third best quarterback in that room or in that division, excuse me. And I think it's going to be a very, very tough challenge and really just like it's going to be hard to pick who's going to be better. I think Burrow has the lead, has both of them are good leaders. Both of them are probably pretty good in the locker room. Both of them um had a lot of pressure on them. Obviously, Lamar, we all thought he was going to be a wide receiver. I never thought that, obviously. But 
I mean, he's had a lot of pressure on his shoulders and he certainly performed extremely well. Same with Joe Burrow, you know, coming out of LSU is, you know, basically one and done at LSU. Uh, and, you know, most people didn't think he had enough experience. I mean, I probably was one of those people just because, you know, you spend your first two years at Ohio State, barely played. You spend another year at LSU where I don't, I don't think he really like caught on or like got the attention maybe he deserved. And then obviously his senior year, I mean, we all know what happened there. So I think both of them have played extremely well with the amount of expectations that have been placed upon them. I still think Lamar is going to be a hot, is going to be the better quarterback just because he can run, he can run the ball extremely well. And is one of the more mobile quarterbacks in the NFL, but he can also still throw the ball incredibly well and has good vision for downfield passing. So for that, excuse me, I think Lamar is just going to be the more valuable and probably better quarterback as a result, just because he can be that he can be a rushing threat as well as a good passer, whereas Burrow is mobile, but not obviously as mobile as Lamar Jackson. And looking more at this game, not very worried about the Ravens whatsoever. It was a bad game, obviously losing 41 to 17. You, you never want that to happen, but their, their next three games, you got Vikings, Winnable Dolphins, winnable Bears, winnable. I think they should win all of those games if they're a playoff team. And then it gets a lot more difficult. You got Browns twice, Steelers, Packers, Bengals, Rams, Steelers. Difficult road ahead, but you've got these three weeks where they can dominate, get going again, and, and bounce back from uh, a not very typical game for, for the Ravens. But what's a, a positive takeaway from the weekend for, for you, Manny? Um, I think it has to be the uh, the Titans win over the uh, the Chiefs. Just um, uh, just yeah, just a completely dominating win. Um, not with what I was expecting at all, just because of the situation, the environment that they were in. Uh, I know they were in Tennessee, but even still, um, you'd expect you'd expect that you expected at some point that Kansas City would would be able to turn this bad luck of uh, this bad run of um, play around, but. We have yet to see it. If anything, they play probably worse than they did last week. And I don't know. It's at this point, I, we were talking about it last week on this podcast. How is it still too early to tell if is it to hit the panic button on the Chiefs yet? And I think after this week, I think most people, a fan or not, I think you have to be getting to that point. Or if not, if you're not there already, just because it's not like they're losing close games or like they're in it. They're just really getting outplayed by this Titans team that has now two big victories over the Chiefs and the Bills, but it's still a team that lost to the Jets. So it's, it's, it's just an ugly performance for the Chiefs and especially for Patrick Mahomes, who has, we have been accustomed to just mentioning his name regardless in um, the MVP conversation. But in this game, he had, he didn't throw any touchdowns obviously and had um, two more turnovers and, I think now he either leads the league or is tied for the league lead in uh, turnovers or at least interceptions with Zach with, with Zach Wilson. So, yeah, I think going forward, I'm not sure who they play next week or if they're on bye, but I think just the biggest thing for them is cutting cutting down on those turnovers because I think this is the most they've had, the most turnovers that they had in, in the Patrick Mahomes era in turnovers. So it's just an ugly sight to see. And, I think their defense did play a little bit better. If you want to take a positive away from this game, uh, they were 
Derrick Henry wasn't able to have a crazy game that he's used to having. So that's one positive. But even still, you allow 27 points and you can only score three. So um, just a, an ugly performance again. You got to just look past it. I know you're at the bottom of the division, but even so that that division, apart from the Chargers, I would say is very, very open to being to the other teams being beatable. So I think just going forward, just got to get past this and just cut down on the turnovers most of all. And I think this team will get get right if they do that. I think you have to hit the panic button on the Chiefs right now. I mean, you lose 27 to 3 to the Titans, who you know, they're known for their offense. Obviously, you talk about Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, Tannehill, excuse me, has had a complete revitalization of his career and has played exceptionally well in the right system. And you add in A.J. Brown, you add in Julio Jones, who A.J. Brown's one, probably one of the more, who's probably one of the better up-and-coming players in the NFL and Julio Jones. I mean, we know his pedigree in his career and we know what he can do. That defense, though, has been iffy at times so far this has been iffy really over the last couple of seasons uh but they completely dominated the Chiefs offense which is something that not a lot of teams can say but especially when you have Mahomes Travis Kelsey Tyreek Hill the list goes on and on when you expect when you have teams who have the amount of weapons you expect them to win pretty big but right now they're not at all and I think it's concerning to see the Chiefs playing at such a, you know, low level of play basically for their standards that you almost wonder if they hit their, their, their Super Bowl window is already closed. I think, it, I think there's a very good chance that window is only open for a couple of years and it's gone now. So it is, you know, it's definitely a panic mode in Kansas City and for any Chiefs fan I think you have to be worried about what's going to happen, you know, for the rest of the season going into next season and in, in the future. I mean, Mahone signed that $500 million deal, and it looks like he he finally got figured out. Teams finally figured out how to defeat Patrick Mahone. That's scary for the Chiefs. For a man who just signed a $500 million deal, you know, the biggest in NFL history, that's that's really bad, like really, really concerning for Brett Veach, Andy Reid and the rest of, you know, the Kansas City ownership group. You have to wonder, did we give the right man the contract? And obviously at the time, yeah, that's a surefire done deal. I mean, you're locking up the basically the new face of the NFL and Patrick Mahomes. But now you wonder, do we did we do the right thing? I think hindsight's obviously 2020, but you really have to wonder you know, if he continues playing like this and the Chiefs continue playing like this, you have to wonder what the, what is going to be the breaking point where you say he got figured out. I don't know if this is we don't think this is right anymore. That's going to be a massive undertaking because, you know, if he even that, he, I mean, they're still going to be down 300, 450 mil, you know, potentially on Patrick Mahomes and nobody. I can tell you no person, no team in the NFL is going to want to take on that contract unless the Chiefs take on a fair majority of it. So I think it is time to hit the panic button on the Chiefs. And it's going to be it's going to be a very, very interesting storyline going throughout the rest of this season. But for the Titans, I mean, again, they're playing exceptionally well right now. And I think you have to in the draft upcoming, you have to, again, continue to address, you know, that defense, that defense just overall from the secondary to, you know, the linebackers to the defensive line, that's going to be your main focus. And they have done that, but they're in order to be a true Super Bowl contender, you have to continue improving that defense. But for right now, the Titans, again, that's another contender for that AFC championship potentially, but it all depends on how Derrick Henry plays, which 
you know, can be inconsistent at times, but he can also completely take over a game in a couple of runs. The Chiefs haven't won two games in a row this season, and through their their first seven games, they have more turnovers than than all of last season. It's it's not good. They need to figure something out. I don't I don't I don't know. It's it's weird. It doesn't feel like their their window should be up, especially on the offensive side. I mean, the defense has issues that was kind of expected, but we thought this offense, you know, buffed up the offensive line over the offseason. They thought that would hopefully help. And they have a lot of the same pieces that have been successful in the in the past. And I think they can find their way back on track, but this is it's odd. It's odd for them to be sitting at three and four and there's not a lot of bright spots to look at and be like, hey, they've they're just there just isn't a lot there to to show to put confidence in currently. But on on the Titans side, I, I think they're they're possibly one of the the hotter teams in the AFC right now. I, I would say it my issue with them is they seem like they go through a bunch of hot streaks and then they cool off and and they just need to align it right when it comes to the playoffs. I, they can win their style of football, but once their style of football just isn't hot and Derrick Henry is not hot, which has happened every once in a while, and they just have off games, they, they tend to lose. But I, I think if they can time it right, if they're as hot as they are right now in, in the playoffs, they can, they can make it to a, to a championship game and possible Super Bowl. Patrick, what's a positive vibe only for you this weekend well i would say my positive vibe but we also just got breaking news Devonte adams is placed on the COVID 19 list i'm so sorry connor it's it's going to be okay don't don't worry but my positive vibe for this week again is the cardinals i mean they're on a complete domination of the league so far again they're seven and oh seven and oh on the season so far that's still the only unbeaten team you know, in the NFL, they have some really high expectations placed upon them right now. I mean, you start with that offense, you add in Zach Ertz from the Eagles, who caught, I think he caught one of Kyler Murray's touchdowns this weekend, had a couple couple good catches, 66-something yards or so, somewhere along those lines. So he had a good weekend. DeAndre Hopkins had a good weekend. J.J. Watt had a good weekend. There's a lot of impact players for the Cardinals that had good games and stepped up. I think the Cardinals... I mean, you have to consider them as a Super Bowl contender at this point. I mean, they're they, no team can honestly stop them. I think they are. There's a very good chance that we see the Cardinals potentially. I mean, I don't want to say they go undefeated, but the way they're playing right now, it doesn't seem like many teams are going to beat them. I think in the end, I think they're probably going to lose maybe one or two games, but they're probably going to be the number one seed in the in the NFC this season and get and get a bye. But again. They're going to have, they probably have every single team in the NFL has a target on, has a target on, or excuse me, has a, oh God, I butchered that. Regardless, the Cardinals have a massive target on their back right now. So they're going to have every team gunning for them. That's what I was going for. But, you know, they're playing exceptionally well right now from offense to defense to Cliff Kingsbury coaching incredibly well and has finally gotten his system to work, you know, in Arizona, you have to, I mean, you just have to put the Cardinals up there, you know, with the bills, the, you know, you got to throw the Titans in there potentially uh, you can throw the Rams in there as well. Uh, there's a lot of good, there are a lot of teams that are potentially competing for that Super Bowl on both sides 
of the NFL. But yeah, totally. I put the Cardinal. I put the Cardinals as probably one of the top seeds in the NFC just because of the level they play. Ha- they have right now. They're beating everyone, and even with that NFC West being so incredibly competitive, they're still going to beat those teams and really the the rest of the NFC. So I don't expect the Cardinals to be, you know, one of the top teams again in really in the NFC. And, you know, in the NFL as well, which is weird to say because we haven't had them be that good in a long time, but they're finally beating everyone. And I mean, they're complete, they're undefeated and dominating everyone. Is there is there anything to to worry about them yet? Because it, it almost seems like there there's not. I mean, when when plays break down, Kyler Murray is, is finding ways to to create plays when when everything falls apart, he's going to gain yardage which is nuts via via the air or via the ground and then the defense is also surprisingly to me at least is is playing better than I expected this season I expected them to just be in a ton of shootouts where the defense is actually kind of dominating some games is is there anything to worry about thus far for the for the Cardinals um I think the only thing really is just the the injuries that could happen you never know with that um, I think they were talking about it yesterday during that game that Kyler, Kyler took a couple shots and one of them close to the end zone, he kind of struggled to get, get back up and they looked over, they looked at him, the Dodgers looked over at the sideline and he was able to come back. But I think just that risk that there's always a chance that one of your stars could get hurt and, you know, and then everything's flipped on its side and then you got to like rearrange and work around that to still be this dominant team that through seven weeks, people have been accustomed to seeing just the Cardinals go out and just destroy everybody. But if one person, if the wrong person gets injured, then that all changes. And I don't know, I think on the defensive side too, that they've had some injuries. Chandler Jones has missed like a game or two, maybe. Byron Murphy has been banged up a little. But yeah, I think other than that, I think this team's very well balanced. And again, to, to Patrick's point, I think going forward, some of their games on their schedule, the next game, I think, is probably their toughest in the next like few weeks. They got the Packers this week on Thursday. And then they got the 49ers who didn't look that great last night. The Panthers who haven't won a game in like four weeks and the Seahawks before they go into their bye. So like those other, other than this week, the next three games after that are very winnable. So if they can manage to get around this one after their bye going into week 12, they'll still be undefeated. So yeah, other than the injuries, I think, there's nothing really much that can worry this team up to this point. I don't necessarily, again, you know, age does play into account when you have JJ Watt and Chandler Jones, both past their thirties. So a little bit out of their prime, but again, they're both playing incredibly well still. So I think that's really the, you know, go along with Manny's point. That's the really only thing that kind of, kind of concerns me, or I don't know if it's necessarily going to happen, but you have to take that into account when you have two players who are still playing at extremely high level past, not past their prime, but just in their thirties and, you know, potentially heading towards, you know, in a couple of years, their play declining. So I think that's really the only thing that really scares me, but you know, they get a huge break with Devontae Adams going on, you know, the COVID-19 list. So that's a lot easier of a game now that you don't have Devontae Adams and almost leads to a pretty easy win you know, for the Cardinals, they're just going to, they're going to be able to overmatch the Packers. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a pessimist about this, this game Thursday, just because, you know, obviously Devontae Adams is out, but we also have, 
some injuries. I, I'm shocked we're we're six and one with with some of our injuries, but you know we're we're pounded through teams somehow. But uh, yeah, this this Thursday not too excited about. But some some weekend woes. Got the Carolina Panthers as a as a weekend well. Three points. Ugly, ugly, ugly loss. Especially when you're talking about to the New York Giants. I mean, the Giants at the time were were one and five. Now they moved to two and five. But this this team has completely fallen apart, and and I don't really understand it to be honest. I mean, I get those Jets, Saints, Texans, pretty easy uh, beginning. Besides the Saints, but then you got Cowboys, Eagles, Vikings, Giants. I mean, if they were going to be a playoff team, they needed to at least win two of those, probably three of them, but now they lose them all. And, I mean, the Giants aren't the best team ever, and the Eagles and the Vikings are more middle of the pack than uh, front of the pack. The Cowboys seem like they're front of the pack, but this this doesn't look good at all, and Sam Darnold doesn't look like he's figured – it doesn't look like the Panthers have figured out their QB situation because Sam Darnold doesn't seem like the answer. Seem like they came out strong, and now with teams being able to see tape and what they want to do on offense, it's it's kind of falling apart. Do we do either? You think that the Panthers can get back on track and be a winning football team this year? Um, I think they could get a they could have a winning record. Um, the way that they started three and zero, I think people initially thought that they had a, they overestimated them. Um, thinking that they could go like pretty far starting three and other defense looked solid and Sam Darnold was playing really, really well proving seem it seemed to be at least proving a lot of people wrong about him. But as soon as Christian McCaffrey got hurt, it all seemed just to completely just fall apart. Um, I think once he comes back, I think we could really evaluate this team and him. I know it's kind of ridiculous to say that one player can alter a team so much like it has with the Panthers and especially Sam Darnold. But evidently it has. He had he didn't throw any interceptions with him in the lineup. And ever since he got hurt, he's thrown like seven or eight, um, which is ridiculous over three and or four games. But yeah, I think once he comes back, he should be probably at least at least two, two weeks or something like that, maybe three until Christian McCaffrey comes back. And I think then um, it'll kind of patch up some of the mistakes he Sam Darna has been making because at times it just seems like he kind of holds the ball, doesn't know what to do with it when everyone's covered and doesn't have that option to just find Christian McCaffrey because he's somehow, he's always open. He's either has got a linebacker on him or something like that. So he's always got that safe out to just find Christian McCaffrey, but take that away. And he's throwing a lot of ill-advised passes. He's getting sacked and just stuttering that offense from really getting into a flow. So once Christian McCaffrey comes back, I think it'll kind of, um, refocus this team and get them back on the right path. And I think just overall throughout the whole team, I think they're way too talented to have a losing record this season. So I expect them to get back to at least over 500 and maybe contend for a playoff spot. It just depends on how everybody else plays, really. I'm more, I am worried about the Panthers. I think, you know, when they brought in Sam Darnold from the Jets, they expected, all right, you know, this is going to be a better system for him, better organization overall. But now you question, you know, is Sam Darnold just not that good of a quarterback that we expected him to be being such a high pick in the draft? You have to take that into account. And now you wonder, you know, did you get the right quarterback? And I don't, I don't necessarily think they did. 
And that brings into question, do you go out and get another quarterback, a.k.a. Deshaun Watson? Because the Panthers have been engaged, you know, as one of the top teams to potentially land him as a quarterback. And I think if you you somehow send Sam Darnold to the Texans, his career is over. I think he's going to flame if he gets traded to either he gets traded to the Texans for for Deshaun Watson and his career dies there or he stays with the Panthers and he just ends up being a backup for the rest of his career journeyman, if you want to say that. So I think it's a bit of a lose lose situation right now. And I think it all depends. It's all on Sam Darnold. If he's able to, you know, play better in the next couple of games and show that, hey, you know, I'm still, you know, it's what year three, year four in the NFL for him. So should he probably be better or as full potential now? Yeah, I'd say a lot of quarterbacks have hit that mark, you know, pretty early on. Lamar Jackson, for example. I mean, what was that year one, year two, he won the NFL MVP. So I think it's a matter of he needs to play better fast. Otherwise, you know, you're expendable and we'll trade you to someone who, you know, we think has a better quarterback. So I think the Panthers, they're in a, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hit the panic button yet on them. Uh, I would still wait maybe a week or two. And if they still have embarrassing losses like this, then I think you do have to kind of hit that panic button and kind of figure out strategically, Hey, is this guy our franchise quarterback? If he isn't, we need to figure out either trying to find pit, trying to find, uh, you know, someone in the draft trying to move up uh, higher to pick one of the quarterbacks in this year's draft, or you already, you trade him for a more established player like a Deshaun Watson, or you bring in, you know, someone who's played in the NFL before and might just be like a backup now, like a case Keenum, like that kind of thing. And I mean, they just, they gave up draft capital, not a ton for Sam Darnold, but, but enough to make you question. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater could be doing what, what Sam Darnold is doing right now, which I think is where the issue comes in. But what, what's another, what's another weekend woe for you, Patrick? Weekend woe for me. God, that's a tough one. I think you have to go. I don't know. That's a good one. I feel like you have to go with the Texans. I feel I'm going to go with the Texans just because, I mean, again, we knew this was going to happen. They were going to be, you know, a bad team from top to bottom, from the owners, the GMs, um, and their coach to the players themselves. It's just been a complete disaster so far this season. And then you add on the Deshaun Watson, you know, situation, and you don't, you don't have your franchise quarterback. Uh, obviously, you know, that's that case is still ongoing. So we have no idea what's going to happen with that. And the fact is he has been mentioned in trade talks so many times this season, there's so many different teams that it's probably caused a negative. It's probably caused a very toxic and negative culture in that Texas, in that Texans locker room. And again, they just played, they just had another awful game this weekend. You know, Arizona completely steamrolled them, steamrolled them completely. They, it looked like they're maybe going to have a trap game situation, but I mean, the Cardinals are just the most, like they're incredibly talented from top to bottom and the Texans are everything, the opposite of the Cardinals right now. So I think that's my weekend. Well, and you really have to question what's going to happen with this Texans team. You know, they're just, they haven't done, they've made really stupid decisions. You trade away JJ Watt and DeAndre Hopkins, who, you know, both of the car, both to the Cardinals who just beat, who just, you know, 
beat them into the ground this weekend, you know, you have to wonder, is the Texans on the right path? You know, owner-wise, does the owner have the right idea? I don't think they do. And, I mean, they really have to – they really have to start just completely rebuild, start over, fire or fire sale the team, try to get any value of their play, any of their decently good players. Uh, I don't think you'll get much for Deshaun, Deshaun Washington just because, you know, that whole situation, they might get maybe a, a day two pick, if that, maybe maybe a late first round pick. I doubt that. It might be, you know, a couple, a second, a third, maybe, maybe even less than that, honestly. So I think they just have to completely, you know, burn it down, start rebuilding again. And, you know, maybe in a couple of years when they get a lot of good players and with free agency, you know, it could work out. But for right now, it's just a complete disaster, you know, fire sale, whatever you want to call it. It's just not working out well for the Texans. And I think they're going to end up probably with one of the top picks on the draft this season. Yeah, they'll, they'll probably get maybe one or two more wins. I mean, they always got the Dolphins, Jets, and Jaguars again this year. But those teams are all bad, but also the, the Texans are bad as well. What's a weekend woe for you, Manny? Yeah, um, yeah, it was tough to pick like one of them. I think not so much for the whole team, I guess, just because it was a close game. But um, the game we you mentioned at the beginning, kind of the Falcons and Dolphins. My weekend woe has to go more towards the Dolphins and specifically Tua, just because um, I know that like the game was pretty tight in the end and last second fuel low and everything kind of decided that one. But, and, and the Dolphins were leading their defense kind of finally stepped up this season and played like you'd expect them to play with having so many talented players on there, Byron Jones, um, Xavier Howard and such on that team that kind of gave you the turnovers that they did get. But it was just after one of those turnovers, one of those big turnovers, two will come back out and midway through a sack that he's getting tight just, flicks it up and throws it right into the hands of a linebacker. And that just, I think from that point, it just killed any sort of momentum that the Dolphins had, any sort of chance that they could have won that game. It just killed it right there. And I think you saw, I think everyone's reaction to that was just kind of very deflating and very just disappointed that Tua just is still kind of making those mistakes. And he threw another interception too. It was just a bad read getting closer to the, um, to like one to the pylon. So just these silly mistakes that he keeps making, it's just, just keeps bringing up the point and bringing up those trade talks with Deshaun Watson. And obviously if you're Tua hearing that, you could say it is impacting the way he plays, but I don't know. I think at this point being Tua, being on a team that it has the talent to be uh, not as bad, obviously not as bad as they are playing right now, but being on a Dolphins team that had high hopes going into this year, um, you got to be especially pointing the finger, I guess, at this point at Tua just because of those mistakes I mentioned. And the fact that they're one and six um, already on the season, kind of throwing the season away and looking forward, I think they have to make a move and bring it up again to Sean Watson that I think they're the team that that definitely needs him more at this point now, more than the Panthers do with Sam Darnold. So, yeah, I think just – the idea of Tua not really improving, kind of holding his team back, really being that X factor that a lot of young quarterbacks in his class have become, it's just a bad look for him and a bad look on the Dolphins who 
drafted him over guys like Justin Herbert. So, yeah, it's just bad weekend for them and bad – again, another bad loss for them. And it, it – I mean, it's scary for for Tua. The, the fact that – I mean, they're rumors. They're not, they're not proven by any means, but it's scary the, the fact that the Dolphins are willing to possibly give up on Tua, which is fine but they're willing to possibly give up on Tua and go for Deshaun Watson, which no one knows what's going to happen, happen in the Watson case. Like we don't know if he'll be able to play again, what the actions would eventually would come out from all those lawsuits and whatnot. So I think that's bad that they're saying, Hey, we're, we couldn't move on from a, a top 10 draft pick that we thought was our franchise QB and go with someone that we don't know how long we'll be in the NFL. I think that shows how dire their situation is and how little they trust Tua right now. Is there, do we think they should go the draft route moving forward, the Dolphins with a new QB if they give up on Tua? Or do you think they should make a trade for Deshaun Watson or, or even any other random QBs, maybe and pick up like a, a, a Cam Newton at this point? Um, yeah, I think it's just, like for me, from my point of view, if I'm the Dolphins, I think I, I think I feel much more comfortable going with somebody that I know is has been good in the NFL or in, the, in this league and is a proven is a proven player rather than going after a guy that you really never know um, how good they'll turn out. I know with high quarterbacks, everybody expects them to be really good. That's why they scout them and that's why they do as much research on them as possible to make sure they are their guy but you just never know with quarterbacks going number one and like Tua was at number number four and hasn't lived up to the expectations that he has so I you're obviously going to give up more more um, team capital more draft capital than you would like training for a guy like Deshaun Watson and it does come with the risk like you said Connor and Patrick before too that he might you know you don't know if you'll ever play again really in the NFL with all the lawsuits and all that stuff not being settled yet but even still, I think just the certainty you have, the, the security you will have at quarterback with a guy like Deshaun Watson that can play that can play at an MVP level, I think is more reassuring to me if I was in that position, like for Brian Flores to make that decision or, or one of their executives to make the decision, rather than going with a guy like Matt Corral or, or uh, Malik Willis in the draft that Again, you just never know with guys like that. Even though they have been playing well, it's just that uncertainty for me is the reason I would probably go with Deshaun Watson at this point. All right. Well, it's been interesting beginning to the year. There's some teams with some losing records that I, I definitely wouldn't have expected going into the season. Chiefs, losing record. Colts, losing record. Seahawks, losing record. I'll go through some teams that have losing records and I wanted to hear both of your thoughts on what teams that, that aren't 500 or above that you guys think can have a chance at making the playoffs and, and turning things around. There's a, there's a couple ones that I, that I think are legitimate. I, I took off like the 0 and 7 lions and the, the one in six teams and whatnot, because I really don't think they'll, they'll bounce back. They, they seem legitimately bad, but we've got Panthers three and four chiefs three and four bears, three and four Colts, three and four Patriots, three and four Broncos, three and four 
Seahawks and 49ers are two and four. Out of teams that have losing records, are there any of them that you trust to be able to turn around and make the playoffs? Uh, yeah, there were a couple. Um, the first one was the last one you mentioned, the 49ers, I think. It's, yeah, I mean, it, I am surprised probably just as much as anybody that they're, I think, they're probably last, if not tired for last with the Seahawks um, in a division that we everyone thought was going to be very competitive. And I think out of all divisions had the best chance of all teams making the playoffs at the start of the season. But obviously that's not the case now with how the top five teams arguably in the NFL are all in the NFC. So um, the 49ers really is a big one for me just because of the uh, the expectations that they had, obviously, um, Jimmy G coming in, the uncertainty with Trey Lance, but even still that they had um, Debo Samuel, they drafted Trey Sermon, and they had Brandon Ayuk, who played well last year, but isn't really living up to that potential this year. And on the defensive side, I know they lost a few guys, but they still had uh, they still have some game changers on that side of the ball, Fred Warner and Nick Bosa and D Ford as well coming off the edges there. Um, yeah, I think just two and four. And again, after last night, um, just not the best of performances. I know the elements had a lot to do with that, um, not being able to throw the ball accurately or efficiently. But even still, two and four, uh, you'd expect a lot more from them than to be um, than to have the same record as a team that doesn't even have their starting quarterback um, in that division. So that's one team. And I think um, definitely the Chiefs, um, I'm not really giving up on them yet. I know that they're playing very badly, um, not just in the division, but in the whole NFL compared to everybody else, they are playing very poorly. Um, but again, just like we always mention with the Chiefs that they just have all the talent in the world, especially on offense to compete offensively with anybody in a high scoring match. It's just that defense. You just don't know if they're going to be good enough to give you one or two possessions where you can take the lead with that offense. So I think just from the, the reputation that they have built up, all those guys, Tyreek, Kelsey, and Mahomes, their, their resumes speak for themselves and just that they're always dangerous, always a threat to do something. And I think the moment that it clicks, I think they'll, for sure um, start blowing out teams if it ever clicks, which is obviously the big question. So I think those two teams uh, for me are the two biggest ones that definitely have the best chance at um, turning it around, getting over 500 and at least making the playoffs probably. What's a team for you, Patrick, that, that has kind of not lived up to expectations thus far, but you think could turn it around? I say the Colts. The Colts are three and four right now. Uh, I still think that they're a decent team. Carson Wentz is playing well, which hurts to say as an Eagles fan, but he is playing well. Uh, I mean, he played extremely well against the 49ers last night. I mean, completely killed. I mean, he played exceptionally well in a, basically a monsoon. And he, I mean, he played exceptionally well. You still have Jonathan Taylor at running back. who's a great running back. He is that workhorse for the Colts, much like he was at Wisconsin in college, you also add in Michael Pittman Jr. You still have, and on that defense as well, you still have Darius Leonard. You have DeForest Buckner, who is playing exceptionally well. And I mean, again, you list off the names for the Colts, and they're there. They're a good team. They had a bit, a bit of a rough stretch, but I think right now they've won two straight, 
And with, I mean, if they play the way they did against the 49ers and basically a monsoon, I'd be shocked to see if they want to be even better in dry conditions uh, and, you know, probably take those chances. And Wentz is just playing at a much better level than he was uh, with the Eagles besides that Super Bowl season. So I think the Colts are, are uh, have a good chance of turning it around. But at the same time, I want them to fail dramatically because we also hold their pick uh, in the first round this year. So I want the Dolphins and the Colts to completely just fall apart, much like the Texans are. But with the way the Colts are playing, it seems like they're going to be maybe a late uh late teens, early 20s pick uh, in this year's draft. But, yeah, still the Dolphins, uh, there's a good chance they, they might end up with the number one pick, which would be fantastic. But, you know, we'll see what happens with the season. But, yeah, right now the Colts, they're steadily improving, and I think they're, you know, they're, they're impact players. Again, Wentz, Darius Leonard, DeForest Buckner, Jonathan Taylor are proving why they're such valuable members to the Colts. And I would say that that division besides, I mean, I mean, the Titans are the only team you have to worry about. I wouldn't say they're they're uncatchable because I think we've seen over the this year and the past couple of years, the, the Titans lose some some games they, they should win. I mean, they lost to to the Jets this year, but I, I would agree with all y'all's picks there. I think, you know, Chiefs can turn it around. The 49ers have a chance to turn around. Obviously, they're not looking great right now. And the Colts definitely have a have a chance to turn around. I mean, they had tons of injuries in the beginning of the season. They're they're starting to get healthy and, and look like the Colts team. I think a lot of people expect it. But before we go, we can do our, our two-minute drill and just short thoughts of anything that we didn't get to cover during the podcast. Anything left that you guys wanted to to point out from the weekend or any thoughts. And I had a small one just about uh, the Lions. I, I kind of loved what they did this weekend. I mean, they lost again, but I love the two fake punts, the onside kick. It, it was just fun to, to see it come up on, on red zone and highlights because, I mean, why not try it? I mean, obviously crazy early in the game, but I'm kind of on the, the punt side. I'm like, I feel like on like fake punts should, should work like a lot. Teams aren't expecting it. I believe if you can have a halfway semi-decent punter that can throw the ball, I mean, I, I feel like they should be able to pick up those those first downs when they're when they're backed up a little bit. But I, I enjoyed what the Lions tried to do, and I was I was cheering for the upset. I thought that would be pretty hysterical. But what's what are some small thoughts from this weekend that we didn't get a fit in our our main discussion? Yeah, one of them was uh, going off of what Patrick said. I noticed it um, this morning and last night with Carson Wentz. Um, over the past, his or his last four games, he's thrown for 1,000 yards, eight passing touchdowns, and no interceptions. And they're 3-1 and one over, over that period of time. So, yeah, again, just not a guy I've been obviously not really keeping up with, but just seeing that is – it's kind of surprising just considering what, um, again, what Patrick said before about the about his last season with the Eagles not playing um, good at all, but just kind of turning it around and kind of proving people wrong, but just kind of doing it unnoticeably and kind of just under the radar, just quietly getting the Colts back to three and four and kind of just putting them back into at least division contention with Titans, like you said, Connor, it's like not a team that, definitely isn't uncatchable. They have shown their flaws. So, yeah, which is, I, I thought it was interesting to see how Carson Wentz is kind of playing back up to um, good, 
good starting caliber quarterback play, and it's uh, good to see that he found a home in Indianapolis. It seems that um, it it, it seems to be way better than the uh, than the Eagles proved to be. Apologies for that, Patrick. I hate being an Eagles fan. This sucks. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate when I have to say Carson Wentz is finally playing well. That kills me inside. It also hurts me inside that we can't win a game against the depleted Raiders team without Darren Waller. I genuinely don't know how to feel as an Eagles fan other than just sadness, depression, and disappointment. But that's the same feeling I've had every single year since we won the Super Bowl. I don't have any words. I don't know what to think at this point. I just... I know as soon as I watch any Eagles game, I'm immediately going to know my mental health is going to drop. I'm going to lose my voice or I'm just going to end up not wanting to watch the game because we were playing so bad. I mean, there were so many opportunities in that game for the Eagles to win it. I, I mean, they easily could have won that game with the amount of, you know, just bad, bad throws, bad decisions and fumbles. They could have won that game had they been able to do that. But then again, this is the Philadelphia Eagles and we don't practice fundamentals. So, I think it is right now it's pretty bad for to be an Eagles fan. The only hope I'm holding on to is that three first round first round picks. But even then, you have Howie Roseman as your GM. I think if the thing, the biggest thing for me is if Nick Sirianni, again, as we think, as we know, is not going to be the greatest, is not going to be a good coach. He gets fired after the season, and I think you absolutely have to fire Howie Roseman and find a better GM fast because you, those three first-round picks could either make or break the next couple, the next five to ten years of the Eagles. I mean, right now they're pit. They're I think it's like second. Uh, let me check. Actually, I have it pulled up. They're, right now they have the second pick from the Dolphins, the sixth pick that's their own pick, and then the thirteenth pick from the Colts. And right there, right now they have us picking Macarau. I don't want Macarau. He can go off to some other team. But I think you they go defensively. Derek Stingley's that is probably going to be is the shutdown quarterback, cornerback, excuse me, that we've needed since probably Lido Shepard, Brian Dawkins, you know, those mid-2000 Eagles teams that we just have not had a true shutdown number one cornerback. Darius Slay's good, but he's obviously getting older. He's going to regress just play wise. So I think you have to add in Derek Stingley, Kyle Hamilton. They're also predicted to pick with a six pick from Notre Dame. He's playing exceptionally well. So, you know, as much as I am fully a fan of the Eagles, I'll never change from that. That's just who I, you know, I chose to support from a young age. I have to be worried because Howie Roseman is in charge of these three first round picks. So I think you have to fire him. You know, if you're going to, if you fire Sirianni, you fire Howie Roseman as well. Because like I just said a couple of seconds ago, those three first round picks could make or break the next five to 10 years of this Eagles franchise. And if they mess them up, uh, this team's going to be doomed. At least there's a comfort in your, your 76ers situation, Patrick, you know, that's all tidy and dandy over there with, with, with Ben Simmons. But anyways, not a good time for Philadelphia fans. But we, we can wrap it up from our, our week seven recap. This has been First and Moose, Connor, Manny, Patrick. Thank you for listening. As always, you can catch us next week on any podcast platform.